Do you know what Wakanda doing? Where you can get news about the Jamaican culture and just learn about how Jamaicans are doing as a yard and a brother. You get to learn a new Jamaican part of the world or even a Jamaican phrase. I look forward to the Patwa word of the day. The Patwa word is Pasa Pasa. Word today is Taco Ram. Our word of the day is Duffy. Twang. Not like a, not like a twang. Not true. I enjoy tuning in to what a good. It happens every Friday at 7 p.m. So check them out. And bye from Toronto. Dodge, Quebec, it's La Jamaica. Écoute, Wataguan. Yes, I. Wataguan. I am a big fan of Wataguan. Relevant and entertaining, so keep up the good work. Watch Wataguan. Big up yourself. Wataguan. Wataguan. Yes, I. Wataguan. Watch Wataguan. Always say I'm going to Wataguan in a yard. Check it out. 7 p.m. every Friday. Uh, let's do this. Greetings. Uh, today you get me. Welcome again to another episode in Wataguan National, where we share information, where we connect. Uh, Nicole has taken some time to go off into the bushes. <laughs> she has gone camping, at least, so she said. I hope she's having a good time. I, I'm assuming that she's not watching. So today is just me. Uh, but we have a great, great story. Uh, before we get into all of that, we want to welcome those who are listening on Fresh FM London. Always a pleasure sharing the content with you. And for those who don't know, Wataguan is available as a podcast on Podbean and all the major podcasting platforms, Amazon, iHeart. Uh, just check them out. In fact, just go to our website, www.wataguan. And as Nicola always says, Guan has two A's. Wataguan.ca, where you can watch the episodes and listen uh, to the podcast. Uh, it's June, believe it or not, it's June. We have started the sixth month of the year. Uh, hopefully, it's nice where you are. It's fantastic here in Calgary. Uh, temperatures in the high to or mid to high 20s. Uh, for us, that's that's summertime weather where we're enjoying the weather. Uh, for June, we're going to be focusing on our men. Father's Day is a few weeks away, and uh, we want to, to spend some time talking about our men. Today, we're going to be looking at cancers and how they affect our men and their families. And we've got some great guests in the wing who we're going to bring on in a little bit to share some information about that. But of course, a staple of Wataguan uh, is this feature. It's called Patwa time. And the Patwa word for today is galang. So if you are Jamaican or if you understand Jamaican Patwa, what does galang mean? Put it in the comments. I'm hoping we can get some people jumping on and 
sharing their experience of Jamaican patwa or of course some real yadi who understand what it means, right? Uh, later on, I'll come back and, and give you my take on Galang and how I'd use it in a sentence. But for those who are watching, the patwa word for today is Galang. And as always, we're looking for feedback and comments and we love when you engage. We love when this is interactive and people are listening and learning and enjoying what is happening. So uh, let's see what happens here. Pata word for today is galang. Uh, let's do a little recap. Last week, we, like I said, focused on our men and we were talking about male mental health. And we had Timmy Abiola, who is a registered nurse and mental health practitioner, share some valuable tips with us about how to deal with the issue of, of mental health. And he encouraged our men to do a couple of things, to adopt self-care, make it a part of your routine, to find ways of building purpose into your life. And he, as a person of faith, said, you know, people should connect with faith. He's not saying everybody should become Christians, but he's like, find, find a faith base and use it. He also talked about the need for us to debunk some of the ideas that our culture has taught us, and that if we don't move away from those, from some of those, then it makes it a little bit harder and we stay stuck. As always, like I said, it's if you missed last week's episode, jump on any of our social media platforms. You can connect with us there. You can get access to the previous episodes. As always, we ask you to follow, share, like, subscribe, and comment so we can grow Wataguan, but more importantly, that you can stay connected to what we're sharing uh, on the program. Some news, what's happening in different places. Uh, on Montreal, uh, if you're in Montreal tomorrow, the Jamaican Association of Montreal is hosting tribute to reggae greats at the Jamaican Association Center at 4065 Jean Talon West. Doors open at 8 p.m. Showtime is at 9 p.m. Go enjoy performances from Jakota, Melody, Juliet Nelson, singer Curve, Robin, Ebony Royal, and Paris Ivy as they showcase songs from many of the greats in Jamaican music. Admission is $20 if you buy your ticket on Eventbrite. If you show up at the door, it's $25. Also in Montreal, the Collective Kitchen Project and the Jamaican Association of Montreal presents a free family cooking classes. Join them every other Monday at the JCA Center uh, on between 5.30 and 7.30 p.m. to learn and to create new recipes. To register or for more information, just send an email to jamfootstepsprogram at gmail.com or you can call 514-737-8229. The next session is June 12th. If you are in Calgary, there are plans already afoot for Carifest 2023. Many activities are being planned and you can join the revelers at the container on July 5th for the band launch. The event is gonna start at 5 p.m. The container is at 1020 
2nd Avenue Northwest. So start planning to join the action. And if you want more information, you can go to www.carifestcalgary.com. And of course, there's always a little bit of news from Yad. So here is some stuff that's happening down in Jamaica. The economy grew by 2.7% between January and March of 2023. The Planning Institute of Jamaica in its latest preliminary estimate has reported that real value added for gross domestic product of approximately 2.7% for the first quarter of 2023. The outturn for January to March 2023 largely reflected the impact of increased external demand, especially for Jamaica's tourism product, coupled with the positive performance in the transport, hotels, and restaurants and other services industry. The growth of almost 96% in the mining and quarrying sector with the reopening of Jamalco bauxite plant contributed significantly to the growth. The Center for Intellectual Excellence presents the World Diversity and Leadership Conference 2023 from June 20th to 23rd at the NISQ Conference Center near Edmonton, Alberta. Here, speakers including Margaret Trudeau, Minjit Minhas, Dr. Denise Green, and many great panelists focus on the themes of climate change and mental health. To register and get more information, go to www.wodil.ca or call 780 All right, so there you go. The preliminaries, the news things happening down at Yard. And you know, I want to tell you that uh, the economy was growing on tourism. Uh, every big plane is flying from Canada to Jamaica. So there's no question that it's affecting GDP. But it's time for another segment of Awatagwan. And this is where Nicole would say, you know, with a big man or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, it's a time to reason. banter and asking any any questions today we're just going to jump right into it today we're going to talk about uh cancers and educating our men and their families about this particular issue uh joining me in a little bit is kenneth noel he's the president of the walnut foundation and this is a men's health interest group uh, and they focus primarily on prostate cancer and bringing awareness about the increased risk of prostate cancer uh, ken himself is a cancer survivor and he has dedicated his time to educating men and uh, the community about this particular issue. Also joining us will be uh, Yinka Ola 
Oladeli out of Calgary, who is the founder of the Oladeli Foundation, uh, which is a, a community support group for black cancer survivors and their families. And there are a number of things that she's doing through that foundation within the community to, to help us understand the impact of cancers on men and our families. And it's an absolute pleasure to have uh, Yinka and Ken join me today to discuss this very important topic. Yinka, Ken, welcome to A Time to Reason here on Wataguan. Thank you. It's glad to be here. Thank All you. Right. Before, before we get into the serious stuff, Ken Galang. <laughs> so my name is Ken Noel. I'm the president of the Walnut Foundation and a prostate cancer survivor. So about more than 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, couldn't figure out why. So I went searching for answers. Why me? The question was, why me? Mm -hmm. um, couldn't find much information. But all I knew is that as starting to attend funerals of black men dying of this disease. So I said, I, there got to be answers. I set out my life to start up, understand the risk to black men and to educate black men around this. Yeah. All right. We soon, we soon come to to you on, on the prevalence of it. Yinka, you, you, you walked through it both as, as a member of the family and also as you've launched this foundation. How, how do you relate to the prevalence of cancer in, in, in black men and in the, in the community? Thank you. Um, like you said, I have a, my husband was actually diagnosed with a multiple myeloma, uh, it's a cancer of the plasma cells. At that time, I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know what myeloma was. Like you hear of other cancer like prostate, liver, all those kinds, but I didn't know what myeloma was. So I researched it. And um, even studies shows that black men go through myeloma. However, the studies are in the US, not in Canada, because we don't we don't do uh, race-based data, data. We don't collect race-based data in Canada. So mm -hmm. when I researched and I'm like, oh, if it's prevalent among my, uh, black men, how come we didn't know anything? So someone had to, it's like importing someone from the US to come and talk to us about multiple myeloma. Right. And the reason being that when people are diagnosed, people don't talk. You hear that people die either when they are dead or when it is already late. So we uh, went through it, the journey. It was not uh, an easy journey. And when my husband got better, we wrote a book, uh, Second Chance Surviving the Battles of Cancer. And there, people now started to reach out to Rose that, oh, they didn't know they can talk about cancer. That, oh, the, this person has cancer, this person has cancer. And we will visit people. That was when I knew that, yes, a lot of a lot of people are actually going through this thing. Even up mm -hmm. till now, we still have people that don't want to come out, which is okay, right? It is like a taboo, it's a stigma yeah. in our community. And we are trying to destigmatize cancer. So in our community, in the Black community, a lot of people are going through it. We are trying to break the wall of silence, the wall of secrecy that surrounds cancer is going on. 
Um, like we said, we have the foundation. We started the foundation. It's just to be able to help people. Right. We reach the gap between the hospital, the community, and the patients. Uh, Ken, let, let me bring in. Let's talk a little bit about the prevalence of, of cancers, and especially prostate cancer. Uh, yes. Share some data with us. Yes, good question. So if you look at the World Health Organization, we found that more men die of prostate cancer than any other ethnic group. And in 2020, the top 10 countries with the highest death rate were either from West Africa or the Caribbean. Barbados was number two in the world. Jamaica was number five and Trinidad and Tobago was number seven. Mm -hmm. So if you look at that and then we look at Canada. So we don't keep race-based data, but um, we took part in a research that looked at prostate cancer among immigrant men coming into Canada. And the data reflected what the World Health Organization said, because where do we get our immigration from? The Caribbean, yeah. West Africa. So we're seeing the same thing within Canada as well, even though we don't, don't keep race-based data. So the men who come to us for support are men of Caribbean descent, men of West African descent. So it's very prevalent in the uh, West African and Caribbean descent um, communities. So the Canadian Cancer Society says that one in eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in the lifetime. But mm. for the black community, which is West African descent, Caribbean descent, it's one in four men yeah. will be mm. diagnosed. So if you look at the statistics in the United States and the UK, which have high black population so you find the same data that you know black americans black people living in the uk have the highest incidence of prostate cancer well somebody listening to that could easily get scared and they're like oh my god and yinka you were saying people don't necessarily want to talk about it so how do we help the families deal with the occurrence because it's not an if in many cases, it's a matter of when. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we meet a lot of people. Um, I was speaking to a young lady two weeks ago from, parents are from West Africa. From, and so um, they know that father had prostate cancer, but he refused to tell them the extent of it. So they think he was okay because he said everything was fine. So he went back to Nigeria for the summer, summer vacation, and passed away in Nigeria. Hmm. So they wanted to know. So they said, well, something is wrong with the hospital system in Canada. <laughs> but when they checked with the doctors here, they found that he was going for treatments every three months and never told his family anything. So they left holding this, this whole thing about why my father hmm. but he chose not to share that with them. Yeah. And that's devastating to the family. Talk mm. to us about the family connections and you having to, to deal with it first time. How do you relate to what Ken's saying and what do you say to the community and, and, and the wives and, and children? Hmm. I don't know if I've told you before. Um, I actually lost my mom to breast cancer. That was in 1995. Then 2016, my husband was diagnosed with cancer. 
So I'm like, okay, what is my deal? What is my, what did I do with cancer? Did I buy something that I didn't pay or something? And um, it's not really easy for family members. It is not uh, a palatable thing, especially you don't even know how to talk to your children. Sometimes the wife will not know how to tell the husband that she's been diagnosed. If the wife was not with the husband at the time of diagnosis, the, the husband may not know how to tell the wife and the children. So in our community, people keep it. And one of the reasons why I decided not to keep quiet when my husband was diagnosed is in, the, in our community here in Kagri, we've buried a lot of people due to cancer. And you only hear that they have cancer when um, it's already late or when they are dead. So when my husband was diagnosed, I'm like, you know what? Nigeria is too far. <laughs> there was nobody around. I need, I need help. And people helped me. And so when it got better, that's how we started to give back. You know, to whom much is given, much is expected. So we got the help and we also decided to, to help other people. Um, family members, hmm, we all need to be reorientated. We all need to know what we are doing. It's not easy to have cancer, trust me. You don't even want to wish it to your worst enemy. And that is why we decide to help as many people that we want to come forward. I know it's not easy, but I'm praying that one day, Cancer treatment will be like, um, what do you call this thing? HIV, mm -hmm. where it's like maybe when people have uh, cancer, they just ask them to take pill or take medicine. So family, the thing, it hits family. It hits family, is it the financial resources? Emotionally, psychologically, in every area, especially if you are self-employed. Cancer hits the family because as a self-employed person, you don't even get any AI. Mm -hmm. For those that are working, of course, you can still get um, that short-term or long-term disability. Right. But what I've noticed in some of the people that we support is, is it that they are new to Canada or they have not stayed longer? So some of them don't even have insurance. Right. And, you know, apart from the... Um, cancer drugs that, that is being uh, provided by the government, there are lots of uh, out-of-pocket expenses that goes mm -hmm. uh, cancer treatment. And many people don't even have it. Like right now, things are so expensive. Housing is so expensive. People that do not work, how do they expect them when house rent is increasing daily? So it's, it affects people in every area. Can let me bring yeah. you in here. So let me about comment about what the Yinke is saying, and it's quite true. There, there are environmental factors that affect the black community, um, such as you know, the social determinants of health, the economics, the job. You got to feed your family, you know. So, mental health by focusing on a lot of these things. So you know, the focus is quite different. Um, so the, the you know, it's the environmental factors I think that contribute to the high death rate. Is is there is there a little bit of culture in there as well? Can we talk about the the, the way we we tend to respond? HIV many years ago was 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 similar in mm -hmm. that people would not speak about HIV. If somebody 
had contracted HIV, you would never know. They would die. Uh, and it, it's, it's this shame on the family. Uh, Ken, are we seeing that affect the way or community response to, to the issue of cancer? Yes. Well, the, the one cancer that we focus on is prostate cancer. So right. prostate cancer affects the men below the waist. And anything that you talk to a black person, black man below the waist, then there's no conversation. You know, I've had men say that I'd rather die than do the finger test. Mm -hmm. You know, or I want to continue to have sex the way I did as an 18-year-old right up until I die and nothing's going to stop that. So there is this silence, anything below the waist. They don't want anything to be, you know, messing with that whole aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So then you find a high death rate rather than, you know, getting themselves fixed properly and then resuming a good quality of life. There is life after prostate cancer and a very good quality of life. But the rumors mm -hmm. and the stigmas and the misinformation are preventing men from moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Yinka, we, we've talked about this and you've been doing it in, in Calgary, no one broader. Is, is the community getting the message? Yes, I think they are. But we still have a lot of work to do. We need all the all the leaders in the community. A time is coming when we're going when we are going to bring together all the leaders because when we are able to meet with the leaders, it's easier for us. The leaders will be able to pass the information down to the community. While why do I say community is getting it? It started just from just with my family. Now we have over 50 registered members and plus those that don't want to register yet. I know the number may seem small, but to me it is not small considering how we started, considering the fact that people don't talk, considering the, the fact that people like to keep it to themselves, considering the fact that People don't want people to, that don't even come near my business. Don't come near me. They, they, they have this wall right there. So we are getting it. People are, we are having words of mouth. People are mm -hmm. referring people to us. So the time is coming when we invite all the leaders. We'll let them know what we do. We'll let them know what the community will do. Right now, some right. churches are inviting us. Come. Come and talk to us. Some communities are inviting us. We've been to how many communities now? We've been to different churches because now they see that even church members, um, Islam and all those things, they see that, you know, Casa doesn't know any anybody, whether you are Christian, you are a Muslim, you are green, you are yellow, you are black. It affects everybody. Right. It affects everybody. So we are getting people, people are coming to us, but we still have a, lo a lot of work to do to continue to create awareness in the community, especially that our people need to go for screening because early detection saves lives. Mm -hmm. If people go for screening and something is found and treated early, then there will be no death. This will be done early. Yeah. Especially for women for breast for breast cancer. In fact, there is no cancer that is good. No good cancer. Cancer <laughs> is cancer. Right. But when we go for uh screening, then if something is found, it can easily be treated. Yeah. Then we no longer have loss of life. And one of the things we are trying to do is to reduce the number of people dying of cancer. 
some deaths can be prevented, right? Can, let, let me bring you in here. Uh, let's talk about the demographics a little bit. Are, are younger men susceptible uh, to, to prostate cancer? What, what are some of the things that you have seen or heard? Well, we've seen men in their 40s. And when we ask them and question their background, and it's always their father or grandfather had prostate cancer. So we're looking at the genetics part of it. We are involved in this major research project that's looking for the presence of genes, a specific gene in the father or the grandfather. And if that gene passes down or is present in the son, if that gene is present, which means it now susceptible to prostate cancer. Um, why it occurs in younger men, we're not sure, but part of the research study is gonna be looking at that. Because typically the average age is around 60, but we're seeing men in their 40s. And those men in their families have had prostate cancer. So there is that factor that we're looking at. We're involved in a major study with one of the major cancer centers in Toronto here that is looking at that as aspect, the genomics of it. Yeah. Uh, let, let me ask both of you, this whole issue of, of prevention and screening. Talk to us about the process and talk to us about the mentality that we need to be sharing and getting across to, to our people. So our theme for the Walnut Foundation is that early detection saves lives, and we've seen evidence of it. Um, men who've come to us and they're 50 or 51 or 52, and they'll simply insist on their physicians test them and they found that they had prostate cancer. Those men have changed their lifestyles and they're all, 100% of them are all living good lives, cancer-free. They've regained their manhood. And so it proves that early detection does save lives. You have better options to take care of yourself. You know, we talk about, and we're going to talk about diet and exercise as well. Right. So, you know, they've changed their entire lifestyle and they're living, you know, great lives today. So early detection is a thing that we preach, especially if there's cancer in your family. And by the way, a lot of people we've spoken to, and, we, you know, we go to health fairs, we go to churches. Someone always stands up and says, my father had prostate cancer. It always happens. We were at a church on Sunday doing a, a major presentation. So I asked the question, how many people here have got prostate cancer in their family? And about 50% of the people, men and women, put up their hands. Yeah. Uh, Yinka, how do the, the, the partners help the men in particular to, to do the screening? Last week, we were discussing mental health, and, and we talked about the the cultural tendency of our men to avoid the doctor <laughs> and they only go when it's chronic and therefore there is this need for a support mechanism to to push them to do it how, how, how does the, the the partners and the families fit in to, to push them towards the screening <laughs> well you already said it. partner like women we need to push the men men don't like to go they don't like to visit the doctors I was talking to somebody, a guy said, oh, maybe when he's almost dead, then he can go to the, 
proceeding, doctor. We need to talk to all women. Please, when your husband is uh, up to a certain age, maybe you have to hold the guy, take him to the doctor. It's not for anything. We are in a country where checkup, where medical is free. We are not back home where you have to pay for, I mean, to go for um, checkup or screening. So women or spouses need to uh, encourage their spouses to go for checkup. Because if something is found, it will be treated early. Um, my husband, he does his treat, um, checkup, medical checkup every year. And still, uh, when they found his... Um, Cancer, it was like 60% all over his body. Sometimes this doctor was missing something. If he was not going for the medical checkup, a yearly medical checkup, maybe they would not have found anything. So the yearly medical checkup, all you need to do is just to take time off work. Somebody was telling me I was making presentation to one organization and someone raised their hand and said, oh, is it possible for the doctor or the nurses to send the test test kits to his house because he is very busy. I'm like, <laughs> it's because you have life. People that are sick right now, they will not say that. Say, oh, I'm a busy person. Is it possible for them to send the test kits? I'm like, want to do your PSA test in your house? I don't know how that is done. I don't know how, know how they do it. You have to carry yourself and visit your doctor. And I was saying that if his wife is if his wife was there as at that time, she needs to take his, I mean, her husband, hold his hand and so take. So we're going to, to the doctor. Okay, need to get that checkup. So spouses have a very important role in the lives of um, a spouse diagnosed with cancer because caregivers have this burden. Sometimes caregivers get burnt out. Right. Caregiver also need help. I'm a caregiver, and I can say it from experience. Caregivers sometimes are sick as the sick uh, the, the person on the bed, because it is the caregiver that knows everything. The person that is sick is on the bed, right? May not even know what is going on. So it is this caregiver that how does the mental thing that goes around go through the emotional um, process, even know everything that the um the patient doesn't even know That's so right. as much as we are helping the the patients let us remember the caregivers yeah ken let me bring you in a little bit here to talk about some of the myths especially about prostate cancer because i have no doubt while i haven't discussed it in the jamaican community there's no question in my mind that there are things that people think prostate cancer is and prostate cancer does. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, this, you know, we hear it directly in, from the barbershops. <clears throat> um, you know, it, it's a gay man's disease. Mm. Um, wow. Only very old men get prostate cancer. Then, you know, if I get the finger test, then I will turn gay. Um, those are type some of the information, the misinformation that 
goes around that prevents men from, you know, men are proud to say, I'm not going to get the test. Right. Very, very proud to say that. Yeah, but not do that, guys. Exactly. Yeah. You're not right. doing that. <laughs> not doing that to me. <laughs> but in the meantime, they find, you know, we've seen men with advanced cancer. And at that point, then they start scrambling because at that point, it's too late. Right. Mm -hmm. When it could have been avoided at a younger age and being treated for it. Uh, when we go to the barbershops and we, and, we, and we start having a normalizing this conversation, because this is, this is part of what we're trying to do here on, on Waterborne, normalize the conversation. It's no different than talking about COVID or the coal or the food mm -hmm. or, or the economy, right? But of course, we have to kick down some cultural barriers yeah. in, in, in the process, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to bring Inka in. The Ola Deli Foundation is launching uh, or is being launched officially and having a program uh, tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about that and why programs like those and foundations like yours are important for the community. Okay. First, I'll tell you what we do. Then I'll talk about the launch. Um, like I said earlier, we started to support people. We bridge the gap between the hospital, the community, and the patients. There are so many things that cancer patients need when they leave the hospital. Cancer patients need help. They need resources. So we come in, for example, when someone is diagnosed, they have that mental, they are in that mental state where they don't even know what to do. They don't know how to go about it. I remember when my husband was diagnosed, they just gave me a package and we went home. We were both confused. We didn't know what to do. At that time, I needed someone to talk to. I needed someone to hold my hand and say, you know what? It's going to be okay. So now when people are diagnosed and they reach out to us, we are able to talk to them that you will make it. Other people have made it. Uh, last year, a lady was diagnosed. She actually thought she was going to die. She started writing her will. She was so confused, and someone introduced her to us. And in our community, it's a safe place. It's a safe environment where the um, survivors are able to provide word of encouragement, word of hope to those that are receiving treatment, to, to the newly diagnosed and we have that safe environment to help people to know, to let them know that when they are diagnosed with cancer, it's not necessarily a death sentence. Because sometimes it is not the cancer itself that kills people. Sometimes it's in our mental state. Sometimes right. it could be um, complications. It could be so many things. People are able to ask questions and receive answers. We don't give a medical advice. We ask them to, to talk to their doctor. But when you see someone who has gone through what you are going through, it's easier. And the other thing is we provide a culturally appropriate uh, services, support services to people. Because we are Black, the way we reason is different. Mm -hmm. We have um, culturally appropriate, uh, we have counselors among us who knows how to deal with us. When a black man or a black woman goes to the doctor and say, oh, rate your pain level, zero to 10, 
they will say, oh, it's two. Meanwhile, that pain <laughs> is like 20. <laughs> but a black counselor can say, you know what? I know that that's pain. Just tell me. You know, yeah. that is a way you, you talk. Then you will say, oh, yes, that pain is, is, is very high. Caucasian will just say, okay, you still will just write two. Meanwhile, you are suffering. And apart from that, we also help cancer patients uh, with meals. When they go for treatments, we ask them, what are you craving? So we get caterers to prepare meal and they put it in their fridge or freezer so that after the treatment and when they go home, they don't have to start cooking. Some people after treatment, they, they cannot even do anything for the next two, three days. And that's when they need help the most. So mm -hmm. we come in through there. And also, infection is very, very, it, it, it can kill. There are some like little, little things. When my husband was going through a stem cell transplant, they said, oh, the house has to be sparkly clean. And I was so tired as a caregiver, I cannot even clean myself. <laughs> yeah, I was tired. It was tired. So we have to bring in a cleaner to clean the house. So we now have our, our, our members to clean their homes just to prevent anything. We, do, we don't want any um, infection to happen. We are just trying to uh, guide against complications or what have you. Mm -hmm. We offer different things that is tailored towards our people. Mm -hmm. And we have members across board, whether from Africa, different uh, uh, countries in Africa. We are from, uh, we have Jamaica, we have from the islands also. So it's called the African Cancer Support Group from people of African origin. People of African origin, of all Af people of African descent, we deal with them, we help them out. So please reach out. It is free. It is a free service. Thank you. Uh, can talk talk to us about the, the Walnut Foundation. What are some of the things that you do, your team does uh, around all of this? So <clears throat> we've got a couple of focuses. The biggest one is um, education, um, building awareness. We go into churches, community groups, community health fairs. We're basically spreading the word through that. The second area of focus is we run a very successful prostate cancer support group for men where men join by Zoom um, who have just been diagnosed. They've just come from the doctor. They're going through treatments. they got to make decisions. They're going through mental stress. We get together once a month over Zoom, cameras on, and the men share their experiences. We really don't give medical advice, but we just share their experiences. We've had a lot of men come into the group that they've changed their decisions based on what they've learned. Um, they always thank us very much about the support they get. The other area of focus is that we're trying to change the systems. In order to do that, we have to do research. So right now we're involved in three research projects um, looking at um, genetics of cancer. We're looking at cancer care in older adults. Um, we're also looking at social inequities of prostate among prostate cancer men in, in Canada. So we do a lot of research, um, are involved in a lot of research. The other areas that we're also involved in, and, and this is something that we 
hear from our men. When you go to a hospital for cancer treatment, you don't see our faces at all. You don't see black people. So what we've done is we've started to uh, invest in an endowment at, we started with the University of Toronto Medical School. And that endowment is going to be used to give scholarships to black medical students entering that university. And we're gonna be expanding to other universities as well. We gotta start somewhere to change the system. And so we're going to be, we're working with the University of Toronto to make sure that more black students are admitted to that medical school. In a few years, we're gonna start to see the difference. We're gonna start to see more blacks in cancer care. Right now in the Toronto area, we know of one urologist and Toronto has a population, a whole greater Toronto of 7 million people. And they've got one black urologist. Yeah. So something is wrong with the picture and we got to help ourselves in changing that. Yeah. Uh, I want to wrap up the discussion by talking about the aftercare and some of the, the things that we, we need to do, especially around diet and lifestyle. Uh, Yinka, maybe I start with you, because you, you started it earlier. What are some of the things that our men and our families need to understand and start adjusting as it relates to, to diet and lifestyle in dealing with, with cancers? Well, um, for example, in our group, we have a health coach. The health coach also, she's gone through the the cancer treatments and uh, now went for training. So she comes in to give us proper training on health. And also when people want to go for health coaching, we pay so that they go for individual health coaching, maybe your lifestyle. When it comes to diet, I'm not a dietitian, so I cannot tell people eat this or don't eat this. <laughs> for example, when my husband was going through his treatments, my people say, oh, you should not eat this, you should not eat this. Then I asked the doctor, he said, well, the guy is sick already. Do you want to deny him? <laughs> so everything is in moderation. And right. I, I see to that, everything is in moderation. And that is why when we have, we, we also have webinars every other month, we bring in professionals to talk on mm -hmm. different topics, maybe on lifestyle, maybe on and nutrition. So I cannot tell anybody about diet. I'm a, I'm a Nigerian. I eat my food. <laughs> I eat my food. <laughs> I eat my food. So I cannot really tell anybody that eat this or don't eat it. And that is why we ask people, please talk to your doctor. Right. Talk to uh, your doctor. Ken, what, what's your take on this whole issue of diet and lifestyle, so, especially for prostate cancer? Yeah, there is scientific evidence that exercise plays a huge role and diet as well too in managing prostate cancer diagnosis. Um, there is scientific evidence that it actually delays it. Now, we're talking of the body is made to move. So we're talking about an exercise program starting young, cutting down on salt, cutting down on sugar, right? Cutting down on red meats. And there's actually scientific proof to show that managing your diet and exercise plays a huge role in prostate cancer treat diagnosis. 
it doesn't prevent you from getting prostate cancer. However, if you're diagnosed, then your chances are much better of tackling the disease. And, and yeah. so we invite scientists actually to a lot of our conferences where they prevent the scientific evidence to back that up. And then in the United States, there's a lot of research work going on. I know for sure in the Southern United States, which has the highest prostate cancer death rate in the United States among black men. And if you look at their diets in the southern, a lot of the Southern states and Southern, it's, it's all McDonald's and it's all fried chicken. And, you know, there's no greens in their vet, in their diets. And it's all mm -hmm. things like Coke. They eat, drink Coke for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So was this study out of one of the big universities where they shifted that and started to eat a different diet and started mm -hmm. to do exercise and started to lose weight. And they found that, you know, the results were more positive. Yeah. But granted, you know, I mean, especially for the Jamaicans watching this, our concept of good food might be dumpling and yam and banana and, you know, la, la, who knows? I mean, none of, none of us are, are dietitians on here. Mm. But I think part of the, 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 the learning, and I like what Yinka is saying, is moderation. It's moderation. There has, there has to be an awareness of, yeah. of how moderation impacts uh, yeah. what, what, what we do. All right, listen, the clock is ticking, and I, and I get one more question for, all, for both of you. Uh, what's the biggest takeaway? What's the biggest learning that we want to share with the community and the families of our men uh, as it relates to cancer? If there's only one thing that you could say to the community, Yinka, you first, what, what would that be? <laughs> Go for screening. <laughs> Go check yourself out. <laughs> it's, it is free, right? It is free. Can, well, what's your one... So in, in, in Calgary, it's probably free in Toronto. You have to pay for it. <laughs> really? But, but you still have, you still, what, what, what is still you're wanting to tell them though? Get screened. And prostate cancer is a family disease. It's not a man's disease because the family suffers just as much. All right. Well, folks, you heard it. Both of our participants who are very experienced in this space give you one line, get screened, right? Uh, Ken Noel from the Walnut Foundation, Yinka Oladeli from the Oladeli Foundation here in Calgary. Uh, thank you both for being here on A Time to Reason on Wataguan and for sharing with us. Thank you thank for you. having me. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. Take care. That was awesome. Great discussion with Ken and Yinka on, on cancers. And hopefully those who are watching take a few lessons, a few nuggets from the discussion. And for the men that are watching, uh, get screened. Uh, you know, I, 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 I remember having this conversation with my doctor when I crossed, I think, 45. Yes, I'm past 45. <laughs> and it, it, it is always sometimes a little uncomfortable to, to start the conversation 
But once the conversation is normalized, then I think we can we can broaden our perspective and we can look at the issue. Uh, you know, I remember years ago when when HIV and AIDS was the rampant thing, and I remember I had to do an insurance policy and I had to do a medical, and there was this eternal fear: what if I had AIDS? You know, how how do you deal with that? And it was more the societal perception that that was fearful or that I was fearful of. You know, what are people going to think? And it definitely impacted the way I, I looked at myself and looked at my life, right? Uh, so I think all of us, I say Glenn saying, we definitely have to change our mentality to screening. And yeah, we have to, right? We have to look at it and we have to deal with the reality of, of what it is, right? We also have to ensure that those around us, we have to help to normalize the conversation for those around us. So talk to our families. You know, my, my father is 90 years old. And there are a number of, of, of the, the, the elders in my family who have to deal with prostate issues. And it's not always an easy conversation for them. I remember having this conversation with my uncle a while back. You know, he's in his 80s. But just talking about it and saying, no, it's, it's an okay conversation. As men, we have to be able to focus on it, deal with the reality of it, and ensure that, you know, we're not creating these taboos and also we're demystifying some of the issues, right? The, the finger test is not going to turn you gay, right? It's just a medical procedure, no different than any other thing that has to be done to understand what is happening in the space. So people, let's help those around us. Let's help our men and help their families. Because like Ken said, it's a family issue, right? If you are the caregiver, trust me. And if you are in a system where it is not as sophisticated, I can tell you, I, I was in Jamaica in March and I had to take my, my father to the public hospital and it wasn't fun. It isn't smooth. And the hours are long. You wait. You have to go and do the tests and get the results and all the rest of it. So let's prepare ourselves and let's prepare those around us to have this conversation. All right. Uh, you know, another comment here. Let's, let's throw it up. C's here says it's very inf informative. Our health is our wealth. And that's true. Right. I would really have to continue to share. And, uh, you know, we're glad we could bring Ken and, and Yinka on to share some perspective. Thank you for, for, for doing that. All right, listen, uh, time is going. Pato word of the day, galang. <laughs> uh, if you were in Jamaica and you use it in a sentence, you would say something like, uh, there's a song, see the hypocrite, uh, so it means to keep going, to continue. Uh, if somebody tell you for galang, right, that is what they're telling you to do, to continue, to keep going where you're going. So if you want galang down the road, right, and broke your neck, <laughs> then that is your problem. So patwa word of the day means keep going. Patwa word of the day today was galang. Uh, as always, we say you can share your message while we share our stories. There's an opportunity. I've seen a couple of ads running on Watergo, and you can share your ad uh, here too, so that people 
in Canada and all over the world, actually, can see your message as you help us grow, advertise with us. You can connect with us on our social media handles. You can send us an email at watagwancnd at gmail.com. Uh, next week, we're going to take a break. So if, 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 if you're planning on watching, we might do a rerun of one of the shows next week, but we're going to have a little pause, and then we're back on the 16th with the Father's Day edition. You don't want to miss this one because we're going to talk with some fathers about the journey and how it has been for them. As always, we encourage you to follow us, subscribe, share, so jump on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, we're on LinkedIn, and of course, you can jump on our website, whataguan.ca, and you can see previous episodes, and you can share with us there as well. As always, it is a pleasure sharing with you on a Friday evening or whenever you consume Wataguan. This is our way of sharing culture, sharing information. Hopefully you find it useful. Send us some feedback so we know how we're doing and whether or not you are getting value from the interactions here on Wataguan. We will be back, like I said, on the 16th. We're going to take a break next week. Uh, so until then, Stay safe, be good wherever you are, and I suppose if you can be good, be careful, uh, but whatever you do, uh, stay blessed. All right, take care.